glad to hear it. Um, glad I'm inside and not outside right now. It's a little wet this morning. Uh, you can find your place in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 15 this morning once we get there. But we'll, we'll open in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your presence and your anointing in this place. That we know you're here, you're present to provide revelation, to provide light, to provide direction, correction, whatever it is that we need, Father, we know that you've come to give, and we have come and set ourselves to receive, Father God, because we know whatever you have to give, it's good. It's good for us, and we expect, and we come to receive, and we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's important to be open because we all, we all want certain things, we all come and say, well, I want to hear this. Well, that's nice, but God may have something else that he wants to say to you. Um, you know, because we all, we all come and, and we, need, we need stuff. You know, we, whether it's direction or wisdom or healing or, uh, you know, prosperity in one spot of life or another, whether it's emotional or relational, whatever, we all need something. But at times, our need is not what we actually need. <laughs> and God is able to see, because what, what we want, what we're, we're looking at the situation from our vantage point. And God has the ability and the advantage of being able to see actually what's going on. Because oftentimes the impediment to us receiving the thing is not what we want. In other words, the impediment to me receiving what I want, you know, prosperity or healing or whatever, may not be just believing for it. It may be I need to go forgive somebody. Or I need to stop lying. Or I need to, I need to spend more time in prayer in the morning with God. Not even about this subject, but just in general. You know, I need to spend more time. And our short-sightedness sometimes gets in the way of us actually being able to break through the problem. God doesn't have that issue. <laughs> He's able to see it and go, no, this is what you actually need. So in every situation, we have to be open to hearing that, open to hearing something that's not in line with what we're expecting, because God has the actual answer, and we may not even realize what it is that we really need to break through whatever we're, we're working towards. But God has the ability to do that in every situation. So that's, that's why it's important to come open and ready to receive whatever it is he has to give us. Because uh, there's been more often times that I've been believing for something and it's been correction that I've received. That, that I've been doing something and getting in my own way and stopping myself from moving forward. And God comes and says, hey, just fix this up over here and things clear up and things, things start flowing the way that they should. I would have never known unless I paid attention, and which is very important for us as believers. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to continue down the road that I've been on while I've been up here of, of self-examination because it's, it, it's, it's, it's vital for, for a Christian to be able to look at ourselves and be honest with ourselves and be critical of ourselves because we know you can look around in the world today. Nobody is willing to be critical with themselves. It's never their fault. It's never anything they should be doing or correcting. It's it's always somebody else's fault. It's never, it's never me. It's always you. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, but as believers, we can't live life like that because we have to realize that 
probably 95% of the time, I'm in control of whatever the issue is, and it's, it's a correction that I need to make on my end in order for things to get moving in the right way. Um, and the quicker, the quicker we are on the pickup on that, the smoother things will go. Um, because w when we spend time blaming something or someone else, that's removing the control, my ability to alter that situation with the Word of God. Because when I say it's your fault, then I can't do anything about that. You know, if it's, if it's not me, then I can't do anything. But that's never, it's not the case. The enemy, that's deception from the enemy in laziness on our flesh's part. Because they don't, it doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> doesn't want to ever, you know, self-reflect and, and make improvements on oneself. It just wants to sit around and do whatever it wants to do. But this morning... I want to talk about examining why and how we believe the things that we do. Um, because a lot of times, I personally have had things come out of my mouth or have thoughts run through my head, and I go, where did that come from? And not, not just as in, you know, this is a strange thought, but it is something that I believe, but I have no idea where the basis of that thing came from. Why do I believe that? And, and we can look around at the world and not even spiritual things, and there are all kinds of beliefs that people hold that, that defy logic, that boggle the mind, actually. I mean, there's people that believe that the earth is flat. And it's, and it, you, and they be, and it's not just like, ha, how funny, it's a joke, they're trolling you. It's they actually believe that the earth is flat. And that, you know, all the satellites, it's all a big ploy, and the earth is flat. It's like, I, I, uh, it hurts my brain, frankly, um, that people actually believe that stuff. And simulation theory, and all, all just, we live in a giant computer simulation, and it just cra crazy stuff. But they believe it. They really do believe it. And I'm not, we're not going to talk about that this morning, because those things are just, those are just crazy. Um, but we have things spiritually that we have to deal with all the time that we believe whether it be from tradition because we were brought up differently than we are now uh, or we we're recently saved or I mean it could be anything those things get rooted in us from a young age I mean it could have just been something your parents told you from from a little kid up and it's just something that's it's rooted in you because you've said it and been told it and it's just been that way your whole life and we all have those things that live inside of us and it's not necessarily that, because they're not effectual, but they make us comfortable. They meet an emotional need. They, they oh, well, it's, all, it's just always been that way. Well, just because it's always been that way doesn't mean that that's the right way. You can always do something wrong your entire life and believe that it's right. It doesn't make it right. It's still wrong just because you've been doing it that way all the time. And it's as believers, we have the ability and should have the desire to go in and examine those things and change them. Because we've been directed by the word of God, as it says here in 2 Timothy, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, and other translations say rightly handling the word of truth. We are directed in multiple points to be familiar with the word, and not only be familiar with it, but be able to handle it correctly and accurately. That's something we are told to do. That's, our, that's one of our jobs as a believer, is to be familiar with it, and so familiar with it that we can handle it well. 
you've, you know people and I know people that handle tools well. And they do that because they're familiar with them. They've worked with them for many times. I mean, I've, I've seen, I, when I was a little kid and worked with my, used to go out and work with my dad a lot, and he was one of them, you'd see framers, and this is back in the day when they didn't have the, they didn't, have, they didn't cheat back then. They had, they had to do it the real way where they'd, they'd tap the nail and boom, one hit all the way in. I mean, I didn't, I hit my thumb more than I hit the nail when I was, and probably still do, if I work with a hammer because I'm not familiar with that tool. I'm not familiar with it. I don't know. I haven't used it very often. It's, it's alien to me. But people who handle those all the time, they know how to do it right. They know how to not strip screws with a screw, screwdriver. They know, they know how to do certain things. Why? Because they've taken the time to learn how to do it properly. And that's what we're directed to do with the Word of God. Not because God wants us to, but because he realizes there's lots of stuff we need to dig out of ourselves and correct in ourselves. And the only way to do that is through the word of God. That the word of God is the one, it tells us in James, that the word washes the soul. The word washes the soul. That's what goes in and cleans out all that mess. That's what does it. It's not our willpower. Not, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grit and bear it and I can do this. No, you can't. You can't do it on your own. If you could have, you would have. Really? Because there are some things that are really detrimental to us that we believe. So if we could have changed it, we would have. We can't. Not on our own. We need the Word of God to do it. But the first step to that is, is that we have to look at it and know the truth. That's how you identify the lie. It's not knowing all the lies that lets you identify the lie. It's knowing the truth. That's where a lot of people get lost. It's like, well, i got to learn about all these things. Why do you have to learn about the lies? Why can't you just learn about the truth? Because if what, people, what people don't seem to realize is that the Word of God is the truth. Not a truth. It's the truth. Which means it's the, the only one. It's the only truth. Which means, by definition, if, this is the tr- if the Word of God is the truth, what is everything else? A lie. Everything else is a lie. If it's not the Word of God, it's a lie. And that's the way we're told as believers to treat everything that we're seeing. We're told what you see is temporal. What, what does that mean? It's a lie. It can change. It's, it's, not, it's not permanent. Truth is permanent. Everything that's not permanent is a, is a lie. <laughs> so to speak, if you look at it that way, because it can be one way and then it can be another way. But the word of God is truth. So if we know the truth, then it's very easy to spot lies because I already know the truth. So if what I'm what if, if what I'm hearing, if what I'm seeing doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's a lie. I don't need to know more about that. That's what it always boggles my mind. I need to go learn about these religions. Why do you need to go learn about those religions? And I'm all for knowledge. I'm I'm big on knowledge. I I like to understand and know lots of things. But you don't need to go and spend years with Buddhist monks to understand Buddhism so that you can refute it with the... You don't need to do that. You just need to know the Word of God. Because like Paul learned in his many mission strips, it's it's not my intelligence... It's not my understanding of the subject that's going to make the difference. 
It's the gospel that's going to make the difference. It's the power of God, the power of Jesus in the word. That makes the difference. It's not my flowery words or, or my eloquent speech or my persuasiveness. None of that has anything to do with the effectiveness of the word of God. It doesn't. And Paul had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> he had to learn that the hard way. We don't need to learn that the hard way. We're being told up front that, hey, this, this is the answer. This is what we need to spend our time consuming and, quite frankly, being obsessed by. Because this is the, this, if, if, if and this is, this is where choice comes into play, if you want to be a successful Christian, if you want to be a useful tool to the master, that's what you need to do. Now, if that's of not of concern to you, then you can do whatever it is that you want. And there are millions of believers that do. Whether through ignorance or blatant choice, they just choose not to do it. And they live their lives a different way. And many times it's ignorance because, frankly, they're just not taught. And some onus does lie on them to, because you're supposed to consume the Word of God and you should be able to find those things out for yourself. But it helps to have people telling you these things from a position of authority so that you can go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe I ought to think about that for a while. But if you never hear it, it's hard to do that. But at the same, we hear it. <laughs> so we don't have an excuse. We, we know that this is what we're supposed to be doing. So then it's up to us because God's not going to force you to do it. You're the captain of your ship. You have control. He's going to tell you, and he does tell you, this is what you need to do. Now it's up to you. Do you want to? Do you want to? Because you have to do it. You have to put in the work. He's not going to come in and, oh, well, this is a problem. Let me, let me get that out of there for you. No. We have to go after those things and get them ourselves. He'll, he'll, if you ask for his help, he'll even point them out to you. But you still got to go and get them yourself. He's not going to reach in, unfortunately. He's not going to reach in and do it for you. It'd be awfully nice. But he's not, he's not going to do that. Go to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go verse 1 to verse 9. And we're going to read some of what Jesus had to say on the subject. It says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, stay right there for a second. Notice what they're saying. Why do your disciples transgress, transgress the traditions of who? Of the elders. Notice whose traditions those aren't. These are, these are the teachers of the law. These are the people who are supposed to be the masters of the word of the Old Testament at the time, but they're supposed to be the ones that are handling that and teaching the people, but what are they concerned with? The traditions of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Verse 3. And he answered them to say, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Now notice the switch there. He didn't even... He did not even bother to answer their question. Notice that. Please keep in mind, when people ask you questions, that does not mean you have to answer their question. 
Just because you are posed a question does not mean you have to answer the question. Because frankly, a lot of people who ask questions, their premise, the very basis of their question is incorrect to start. So most of them shouldn't even be honored with an answer because it's wrong from the very basis of the question. Like theirs was. Why do you transgress the traditions of the elders? And Jesus went, I'm not even going to answer that because that's a stupid question. Because the traditions of the elders don't matter, is is what he's going to get into. And he asked them, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? He's flipping it right around on them. You're asking me why we don't follow some rule your fathers made up. And I'm going to ask you why you're not following the rules that God laid down. And instead, you made up a tradition to replace the rule of God. For God commanded saying, honor your father and mother. And now a lot of people in today's vernacular, they, they confuse honor with speaking nice. You should be nice to your father and mother. That's not what honor meant back then. Honor meant you give them lots and lots of stuff. That's what honor meant back then. Honor meant you give them. You give to them, you give to them, you give to them, you give to them. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. What is he saying? I'm not going to give you anything anymore. I'm going to give it as a gift to God. Now, between you, me, and the wall, I don't think those people gave it to God either. I think they just wanted to keep it. So they didn't have to give anything to anybody. But they said, like some of us may have been guilty from time to time, God told me. (laughs) God told me. So I'm going to do this. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Notice he, did, he wasn't talking about talking nice to him right there. He's talking about giving gifts. Then he, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did I say a prophesy about you, saying these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching as doctrines, the implication there, teaching as doctrines of God, the traditions of men. Because that's what he's talking about. He's he's talking about doctrines of worship, doctrines of the word. They're teaching their rules that their forefathers made, like the one he mentioned up above about washing hands. They're teaching those as loosely said gospel they're teaching them as you should be doing this because this is god's law when it's not god's law it's something they made up and he goes on we won't read it but he goes on to just tell them your washing hands rule is stupid because it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man you put it in your mouth and it goes down in your stomach and your stomach does its job and it goes away so who cares about washing your hands? But, and uh, this is no, by no means a message of don't wash your hands before you eat. Okay? It's not, we're, not, we're not starting our own doctrine here, okay? Please wash your hands before you eat. But he's, he's making the point of you, you are going in and making it acceptable to replace the rules of God with ones you've made up. 
And by doing so, you are making what God has said have no power. And it's a principle that we need to pay very close attention to as believers because it still works today. We cannot go in and change the word of God to fit what we want and expect there to be power. You can't go in and take cherry pick half a verse and go, this is what I believe. I'm sorry, that's not how that works. Because you've just changed the word of God, because that's not everything that the word says. Well, I just, I just like that part. Well, I don't care. And neither does God, if you like that part. I like that part, too. There are lots of verses I wish I could just take half of and not worry about the other half. But that's not how the Bible works. And that's not how the power of God works. If we want to be and be able to use the word of God effectually, we have to understand the whole truth. And that's not to say you need to read your Bible from cover to cover. You just need to understand what it is that you're believing in context. In context. And that's not, I know Pastor Bob's talked about Jesus taking, taking verses out. But he doesn't take half a verse. He reads the whole verse. And he goes, this is what this means. And he applies it to the situation. But there are people who believe these spiritual sayings that take a portion of a verse and then mix in a bunch of gobbledygook. Something that makes your emotions feel good. That has no power. And we have to realize that. A lot of those bread box sayings need to be kindling for your next fire. Because none of them are worth the paper they're printed on. Because if it's not the truth, then there's no power. Because this still goes on today. The mixing, the mixing of doctrines of men with doctrines of God make the word of God a none effect. Because some, some person decides to take half a verse and put their idea in with it and go, well, this is what it says. Says who? That's not what the word says. And you can believe that all you want, and we're going to get into it later, but there's a parable in the word that talks about people who do that. And it's not good news for people who do that. But Jesus is making a point here. We need to know the traditions of God and make sure that when we're moving forward and going into a situation believing one of these things that we find in the word, that it's only the word that we're standing on. Because if we mix anything else, and Pastor Morgan will tell you, you think there's a good idea to say, well, concrete's really expensive. I'm going to mix a little something-something in here with it to stretch it out, and we'll go make a slab. It's not going to go well. It may look okay right there at the beginning. You start doing stuff and stuff starts happening and things start falling apart. You can't do that. You can't take purity and mix in this and think, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Try that with water sometime. Get a nice clean glass of water and just, just put a little dollop of dirt in there and see how it goes. It don't just stay at the top. It goes all throughout there. Get you a nice long drink and see how that goes for you. Don't work. Don't work. <clears throat> now, not I mean the, <clears throat> the thing we have to realize is it's not that the things are evil. The washing the hands they're talking about, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to wash your hands before you eat. Probably a good idea, especially if you've been outside working in the dirt and doing other things. Got grease and grime all over your hands. So I'm gonna eat a burger. Okay, have fun. 
I'd wash my hands before I did that if I were you, but it's not a bad thing. It's, it's the principle of replacing what God has said with this. And not necessarily even the whole thing. Just a little piece will do it. Just a little piece will do it. There's a, there's a verse, I think I wrote it down. Maybe I wrote it down later on. Well, that's, that's way further down in my notes. I won't jump that far ahead. But there's plenty of verses in the Bible that people take apart. And they say, well, this is what the Word says. Is that all that it says? The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Glory to God. What's the other half of the verse? What's the other half of the verse? Those that refuse and rebel will what? Have the sword. That's the other part of the verse. That's the, that's the you ever heard the statement, the, the saying, there's a carrot, the carrot and the stick? Well, you read the carrot. You also need to be aware of the stick. Because there's far too many people living life out there going, well, the willing and obedient eat the good of land. Yeah, but you're refusing and rebelling, so you're getting the sword. There's no surprise as to why this is happening. But because you've, you've taken that piece and decided, well, that's all that it says. No, no. I was explaining this to my son the other day. He, people are mean to him at school and his... And, stuff like that happens and I had to sit him down and talk to him and say look there is a principle in the word of God it's called sowing and reaping and it says don't be fooled God will not be mocked whatever you sow you will reap so if people are being mean to you being disrespectful to you why do you think that's happening because I know why it's happening but I want you to know why it's happening because I see how you behave so I know why it's happening I am aware. I said, so if you want this to stop happening, you've got to change the way that you're behaving. Because it doesn't matter if you don't like, well, I don't like that. Tough noogies. I mean, I don't like it either. Frankly, I don't like it either. I'd like to be able to be mean to everybody I want to be mean to. But that's not how it goes. And it's not just a preventative measure. I mean, we're told in other places to treat people with love and kindness and as, as we want to be treated. But besides the fact, I really, I really wish seed time and harvest wasn't a thing because it's kind of a pain in the butt sometimes. But God didn't ask me. He didn't ask me when he put that system in place. So now I get to abide by it. I get to live by that principle and there are people that live their whole lives thinking that's not the way. That, oh, well, things happen for a reason. Yes, sowing and reaping. That's why they happen. Well, I just don't understand why I'm having such a hard time. Because you've sowed it and now you're reaping it. That's why you're having such a hard time. I mean, I don't have time to preach on the differences between lifestyle and, lifestyle and attacks. I don't have time to do that. But the majority of problems that people have is because of a lifestyle. Not because they're under attack. Well, I'm under attack by the devil. No, you just live that way. You live that way. The words that come out of your mouth have created the situation that you stand in. And you can change it if you want to. Trust me, I speak from experience. <laughs> I have done this many times. And still do it. I still catch things coming out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, no, come back. Come back. It's too late. 
But what do you do right then? You go, well, that came from my heart. Because what does the word say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's in me. What I just said is in me. So now I need to go find it and root it out of there. How do I do that? Not with good thoughts. Positive energy. Putting my positive energy out into the universe. That's not going to do anything for you. The word of God is what you need to get in there and root that out. Because that's what has the power. Your positive energy, you can flush that down the toilet. Because it's not, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. The Word of God is what's going to help. We must, must understand that the Word of God is the thing that carries the power. It carries the power. It's not my opinion, not my paraphrase, not my understanding, my interpretation. None of that carries power. The Word of God carries the power. That's what Jesus was trying to tell these people. When you change the Word, when you exchange the Word of God for your traditions, you are completely doing away with the power that is present in the Word of God. Because your traditions hold nothing. They, they don't have any power behind them. There's nothing in them to affect any kind of change. They're, they're completely vain. They're useless. So when you exchange power for vanity, that's a bad exchange, is what Jesus is trying to tell them right here. You've made all these rules up, and not only have you made the rules up, you've replaced the rules that God put in place. Because what does he say about children, honor your father and mother? It's the first what? It's the first commandment with a promise. Which means what? When you do away with honor your father and mother, you are hamstringing yourself. It's the first commandment with a promise. Which means you should be doing it because it's to your advantage. But when they took this tradition and said, don't worry about that. We've got a new rule. You ever heard that, Pastor Nid? Here's the new doctrine. Don't worry about that sin stuff. It's all under grace. You ever heard that before? No, you need to worry about that sin stuff. Jesus died for that sin stuff. Paid a horrible price for that sin stuff, as it's so, so loosely put. It's a killer. So if you say, oh, don't worry about that. No, worry about it. Pay attention to it. Be aware of it. And make sure you're not taking part in it. That's the whole key. But there was a whole time, and I'm sure there are probably still people out there, I remember it, that we went through that in the body of Christ, where that was, that was the, the feel-good message at the time. Oh, don't worry about all that. That's under grace. No, worry about it. You don't just get to go out and fornicate with whoever you want and drink and get drunk and party and do all. Oh, it's I'm under grace. You're going to be under a hospital sheet in the morgue if you don't get it under control. But they don't, they don't understand. They don't get it. That this, you can say, oh, it's under grace. Where is that in the word of God? Show me the scripture that says that you don't have to worry about sinning anymore. Because it ain't in there. And if it's not in there, 
you're doing something very dangerous. And I don't, I mean the royal you, I don't mean you guys. I don't think anybody's, anybody hitting the bar in the corner and, and putting down a fifth of jack? No, I don't think so. I think we're good. But you understand my, my point. <coughs> Excuse me. You've got to pay attention to these things. Because the devil tries to sneak, they sneak them in. You watch some, somebody on, oh, it's Christian TV. Just because it's got a Christian TV brand on it doesn't mean you just swallow whatever it is that they're saying. I've heard some heinous stuff coming off over Christian broadcasting. Unbelievable. Go to Matthew 7. We're going to read verses 24 to 27. When we say that I believe this, I believe thus and so, why? Where did it come from? Is that belief based in the word of God? Or is it something that your dad told you, your mom told you, your grandpa told you? Something you read on the internet that sounded really good. I mean, nowadays it could come from anywhere. But the question we need to ask ourselves as believers is, where did that come from? I say I believe this, or it's something I've said with conviction that I, if under a little bit of self-examination, I can go, I obviously believe that because I'm saying it over and over and over again. So it's in me. Where did it come from? Can I prove out what I'm saying in the Word of God? Because if I can't, then I have a real choice to make. Then I really have to sit down with myself and go, okay, I seem to believe this thing. But the Word of God does not say this thing. Now I need to make a choice. It's not comfortable when you take something you've built stuff on in your life and go, this could be wrong. This could be wrong. In construction, that's called renovation. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to renovate some stuff that you believe in your life. And go, look, this is not right. And it's not, it's not just a fact of, well, I, I want to I feel like I'm following the Word of God. It, it is, that's important, that's good, that's okay. But more important is, if you believe this thing and you take this thing into battle, you're going to be in trouble. It's like, going into, it's like going into a fight with something ceremonial. Ceremonial stuff was never made to be taken into battle. It was meant for show, which means it was meant to be pretty, not to be functional. And a lot of times, that's what the things that we say we believe are or can be if they're not based in the Word of God. They look real pretty. They sound really good. They sound spiritual. But there's nothing there. It's vapid. It's empty. So when pressure gets put on it, this is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, therefore, whoever hears these things, these sayings of mine and does them. He hears these sayings. His what? Who is this? This is Jesus, the word. Whoever hears the sayings of the word and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But, but, everyone who hears these sayings of mine, who hears the word, 
who hears the sayings of the word and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Who hears these sayings of mine? They hear the word. They hear the word, but then they don't do them. They choose to mix in a little bit of something, something else. Well, I know that verse says this, but I believe this. Okay. Okay. Realize that this is what you're doing, that this is what's happening. Well, I know the Word of God says that, that God wants me to prosper, but I believe. Well, be prepared. When you head into battle with that, the storm's brewing. The wind is going to beat against that house, and it's going to fall. We're told. It's a principle. It's not a suggestion. Jesus tells us point blank. You go out there armed with anything but the Word of God. The storm doesn't say might. Oh, the storms might come. You might be able to skirt around it. No. The storm came. The floods came. The winds blew. Didn't say might. They will. They will blow. And they beat on the house. And it fell. Why? Because they took something other than his sayings out into the storm. That was their choice. That was their choice. God didn't make them do that. God didn't make them take something other than the word of God out there into dangerous situations and have them lean on it. Because that's what we do, folks. When we say we believe something, we are taking that into battle with us. And it's a sobering thought, but that's what self-examination is about. It's supposed to be sobering. It's not a fun, anybody having fun in here doing self-examination? I don't think so. But it's part of the job of being a believer, of being an effectual tool for the master's use, of being one of those people that can handle accurately the word of God. This is part of it. You got to, you know, there's a reason why the first thing they learn in boot camp is what? How to field strip clean and put back together your weapon. Why? Because you got to go into battle with this thing potentially, and you want to make sure you know how to fix it, clean it, and make sure it works. Why? Because you don't want faulty equipment when you're going out there and putting your life on the line. That's why. The first thing they teach them is that. Why? Because you don't want to go into battle with something you don't think is going to work. And Jesus flat out tells us, if you take anything else than what I'm selling you, it's going to fall. It's going to fail, and great will be the fall. It's not a fun thing to think about, but we're warned. Straight up. So then, then guess what? It's on us. It's on you. It's on me with the help of the Holy Spirit, to go through and go, look. And maybe it's, maybe it's right before you head into something. No better time. No better time. You see the storm rolling in on the horizon. It's like batting down the hatchings, baby. It's time to check and make sure I'm believing what I believe, and I know, I know that this is what God says. Because I'm about to head into the middle of it, and I don't want stuff failing on me while I'm out there. We've got to consider it. Because we don't want to be the foolish builder. Well, I believe this. Or thus and so, Pastor Tim. That's fine. 
Does it say that in the Word of God? You can believe whatever you want. You can believe the sky's green. I don't care. Does it say that in the Word of God? Because if it doesn't, you're heading into battle with faulty equipment. And God's not going to make us change it. He's going to warn you. You ever been warned? I've been warned. Been warned many times about many subjects. I've been flat out told, you are screwing up right now. You are making a mistake turn around. Been that blatant before. And thankfully, I did turn it around before I completely flew off the cliff. I was mighty close, but I turned it, I turned it around. Because there are, there are some mistakes you don't come back from. I mean, I, I didn't want, you know, this. I never come in trying to be, you know, messages that are sobering. But sometimes we just have to put it on the line and say, look, it's dangerous out here. And it ain't getting any less dangerous, in case you hadn't noticed. So I want to head out with something I can depend on. And that's, that's only the word of God. And we've got to take the time. We've got to see these issues for what they are and change them. <laughs> and I actually, I've mentioned this a few times, and I actually went out and found it and put it in my notes. Because a lot of times we get, we get hooked by stuff that sounds good. Sounds good. This, this little, you know, this little saying I heard sounds good. Sounds spiritual. Anybody know what the serenity prayer is? I'm sure everybody's heard the serenity prayer. I actually went out and got it so I wouldn't misquote it. And I'll tell you a hilarious thing that had me belly laughing yesterday when I looked it up. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Now, Sounds good. Sounds spiritual. Sounds almost right. But what is it not? Ain't a word. And that's the most hilarious thing is I Googled this yesterday and the first thing, this is not in the Bible. I was like, glory to God, even Google knows it's right. Even Google knows it. This is not in the Bible. Correct. This is not in the Bible. So what does it mean? It means it's something you can look at and go, okay. Okay. But it's not something you can base your life on. It's not something you can use as a foundation. Because Jesus said it right there. You're a fool. And you're building your house on the sand. Because there's no power in it. Because it's not the word of God. Now, is it necessarily a bad thing? No. No, you should, have the, you should have that understanding. But it's through the word of God you should have that understanding, not through the, oh, let me pray the serenity prayer. Don't bother. You're wasting your breath. Wasting your breath. And people get, people get hoodwinked by that stuff all the time. It sounds spiritual. I believe that. Believe it all you want. There's no power behind it. Just, Just... Just, re just go in with your eyes open. As, belie as believers in this body, we should do that. You should read something like that and go, okay, that's good. 
But it's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. If you want to believe something like that, go to the Bible and find out what the Bible has to say about that stuff. Because the Bible does have some stuff to say about getting wisdom, obtaining wisdom, finding understanding. And it also has a lot to say about what you do and don't have control over. So go find. Don't just say some, some flowery, oh, it's pretty. I like that. I'm going to put it on a bread box card. Well, whatever. But go to the Word of God and find out what it has to say. Well, Pastor, the Bible says I can ask what I will and it will be done for me. Yeah, it does say that. You remember, you know what the rest of the verse says, though? You know what the rest of that section says, though? It's John 15, 7, so you can write it down and read it if that's one of those things. Well, I, I, believe, I believe I can just say it and I'll have what I say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Put up John, put up John 15, 7. The word does say that, but it also says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's kind of an important part, yeah? A little bit of important lead up to what you just said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Well, what does that mean? That changes the entire meaning of what you just said. Because guess what? If I'm abiding in him and his words are abiding in me, what am I not going to ask for? A new wife. Not going to ask for a new wife. Not going to ask for half a million dollars to go blow in Vegas. I'm not going to do it. Why? Well, I can ask for whatever I want. It'll be done for me. No. No. And then people do that kind of stuff and they get mad at God. Well, it didn't work. No, you, you didn't. No. You built your house on sand and expected to be able to go through a storm with it. That's not how it goes. First John, First John 5, 14 and 15, write it down. It says that we have to ask according to his will. When we, when we pray and ask according to his will, then he hears us. Which means if you pray the serenity prayer, he's not hearing you. He's not hearing you. Because that's not in the word of God. Well, let's, let's, and the funny thing is, is that came from a prayer, which is mind-boggling. That came from a guy. That guy ended his prayer with that back in like the 30s or 20s or 1920, 1930, something like that. And they just yanked that one piece out and said, ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes, completely powerless. Yes. We have to ask according to his will. We have to be familiar with the word of God and we have to be on guard against those things that just sound good. Doesn't matter how spiritual it sounds or how excited our flesh or emotions get when we hear a thing. If it's not in the Word of God, it's useless. It's useless. And we need to throw it out. Thank you, Father, for giving us the Word. Thank you for giving us revelation and light, Father God, that you, you have promised, promised to have your Spirit lead us and guide us into all the truth. That your Word would be a light and a lamp to our path before us. And we thank you that we consider it the truth. And treat it as such, Father, that we, we, we endeavor to be the wise builder who builds our house on the rock, not on the sand of, of old traditions and men's rules, Father God. We thank you 
for your Holy Spirit, that he is here to help us with these things, to help, to help show us these, these problematic beliefs, these incorrect things that we may have on the inside of us, that we can root them out with your word. Your word that washes the soul, Father God. And we thank you for your presence this morning, that you're always with us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Father, we know that your word says that when we give, it will come back to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over, that men will give back unto us, that we are blessed to be a blessing, Father. That we are blessed to bring funds and resources into your kingdom to further the gospel's work. That we would have resources for every good work. And we thank you for it, and we bring our our giving and our tithes and, and everything that we have for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If you uh, need an envelope, they're on the seat backs in front of you. If you join us on live stream, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You can visit our, our website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link and uh, give to whatever you know building fund or general offering or what have you. We will get you a receipt for that, and we appreciate you all. Please, if you ever have anything to give us, whether it's praise reports, prayer requests, we always love to hear from you. Please reach out to us via social media or email or whatever your preferred platform is, and we will uh, do our best to add you to whatever and, and speak the word of God over you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.